What's up, Boom Team? How y'all doing? I'm doing great. I hope you guys are too. I'm going to be talking about the NBA trade deadline today, and I also want to talk about this absurd obsession with, uh, you know, pro athletes and asking for these insane amounts of money. I know these guys work hard. I know they put their bodies on the line, but some of these guys are asking for way too much money, and uh, historically, after getting those amounts of money, they underperform, and we'll get into that after our, you know, midway break that we usually have, but first, we're going to be talking about the trade deadline. Before we get into it and all the teams that acquired new players or players that, you know, got moved around and put into better situations, I just want to uh, apologize my voice sounds hoarse or maybe a little weak at times. I've had a lot of uh, yelling to do lately. I Yesterday I went to a wrestling meet for my local team that I, that I wrestled in in high school, so I was pretty hyped up uh, watching my old teammates wrestle, and then I had a... Uh, a youth wrestling tournament that I was refereeing at today and I had to do a lot of yelling to make sure people heard me. So if I sound a little hoarse or, you know, my voice is a little weak, that's why. So let's hop right into it. We're going to start with Andre Drummond. Um, I think it's probably the biggest, uh, maybe like diss, I would say, in this trade uh, deadline. Andre Drummond was not very happy to be traded to the Cavs. Um, he felt like Detroit kind of did him wrong. And he even tweeted out that, you know, like what every player says when some when a team does them wrong, that it's just a business, you know, you don't have a ton of friends, which I can understand. I mean, he put his really his heart and soul into Detroit and they got rid of him because of uh, I think he was going to he was going to opt to take the twenty nine million that they were going to offer him. And they just didn't want to pay that, I guess. And they basically got rid of him for nothing. Uh, they took like Brandon Knight and one other player you know, just basically um, expiring contracts and just other things like that from the Cavs, and it really wasn't worth what Andre Drummond is worth. A lot of teams like, you know, the Celtics could use him. The Rockets could sure as hell use him, but the Rockets, I think, have a uh, a different scheme that they're going for, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But Andre Drummond wasn't too pleased to be uh, taken away from the Pistons. He he really loved Detroit, and he said it'll always hold a special place in his heart. But it's a uh, it's gonna it's gonna be an odd situation in Cleveland. I think a lot of players, it's, Cleveland is not gonna be like that great of a team, you know. And I think for players like Tristan Thompson, like they'll get playing time. But if you really think about it, the Cavs are one of the worst teams in the NBA, and Tristan Thompson is gonna not start on that team because Andre Drummond's gonna be there. And that's just like if you can't start on a team like that, you know, you gotta really figure it out. You gotta move around. You gotta go to a different team, and find your find yourself somewhere else because, you know, Cleveland's not the place to do it anymore. You know, you're not you're not going to the Eastern Conference Finals, the you know NBA Finals anymore with that team. So, Andre Drummond. I mean, he's one of the best rebounders the NBA has ever seen. He's first in rebounds this year. He's got he's averaging a fifteen point eight rebounds a game and 17.8 points a game so it's not like he's underproductive you know the Pistons basically just had to get rid of him because they were looking to not rebuild but some develop some newer players and I guess they just didn't feel that Andre Drummond was the fit for them which you know I mean if that's what they feel that's what they feel he's been there for a while and they haven't really taken that step um really past the first round of the playoffs so they want to get it done with Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson they can do that um but it's just not really it's not looking great in either Cleveland or Detroit. It's a, it's an odd trade, and I think Drummond um, could have definitely performed better on another team, but who knows? Maybe the Cavs will be a good fit for him. Um, next, we're going to talk about my, my man D'Angelo Russell 
and Andrew Wiggins. And I, I love Aunt, uh, D'Angelo Russell. I really do. I've liked him ever since he was in L.A. And this man just can't can't find a home. I don't know why. Uh, I was talking to my dad, and he was like, you know, maybe it's a locker room issue. I've never heard of anything of D'Angelo Russell being, you know, like a bad locker room presence. But who maybe maybe he is. I don't know. But he's he's been bouncing all over the place and just finishing up his fifth season of the NBA. He's going to his fifth team or his fourth team in five seasons. And he's just, I don't know, he keeps getting bounced around. And honestly, I, I liked the fact that he was in Golden State, but it was just because it's Golden State. You know, if you really look at it, you got two people who are going to really just put the ball in the net with uh, Clay Thompson and uh, Steph Curry. And you don't really need another super dynamic scorer like that. You kind of need a role player. And, you know, even Steve Kerr said it himself, like it it was kind of an odd fit even at the beginning of the the signing. They didn't really know if it was going to stick. And they uh, they eventually got rid of him because they felt like Andrew Wiggins was going to fit better, which makes sense. I mean, D'Lo is going to score. He's just he's a scoring point guard and he's going to he's just going to drive to the hoop. He's going to pull up three. And, you know, if you want to have a different look or if you want to have a different system, you know, I just think it's way too many scorers. And it makes sense, you know. But uh, we'll see. I just I really hope that um, that D'Angelo Russell really finds a home in Minnesota. Finally, you know he's uh, reportedly been really good friends with Carl uh, Anthony Towns. They've always got along well, and I really think it could be a pretty good duo in Minnesota. And they're uh, they're hunting for the playoff spots, and they're really just trying to get in there. So maybe D'Lo's the piece for them, and I really hope he finds a home because I, I just I really like D'Angelo Russell. I like the way he plays, and I don't know. I've just always liked him ever since I started really paying attention to the NBA, but we'll see. It's it's uh, it's up in the air right now. What's up next? Uh, Andre Iguodala. Iguodala is a genius, all right? He's just, he's an absolute genius for the way that he played out this uh, whole Memphis, Grizzlies, Miami Heat thing. You know, he was already getting paid a decent amount for how long he's been in the NBA, and he was in Memphis, and it just really wasn't working out. And uh, once he got traded to the Heat, you know, he he got put around guys like Solomon Hill, who have always been good locker room guys, Jimmy Butler, who's just an experienced All Star caliber player. And they're just they they the Heat have been pretty solid this season. They've had a lot of good shooters, and they're they're in the playoff run. And they could make it deep, you know. They could be a real issue in a series, and we'll see. You know, Andre Iguodala, I think, is going to be a good uh, a good asset to them, just to not only keep the locker room fresh and good, but also just to have be a good asset on the court because he can make the clutch plays when you need him to. And you know, Iggy's also just been doing amazing. Uh, just like in general, you know, with the book signing and, you know, all these acting things that he's doing. He's just, he's been, Iggy's doing well as a person. Uh, the Heat aren't actually doing that bad either. They're not insane in the stats, but uh, they're not doing terrible. They're, uh, they're 15th in points per game uh, in the NBA. They're averaging around 112. Uh, they're 12th in assists with about 25 per game, which isn't, isn't amazing, but you know they're they're in the they're kind of in the middle of the pack. They're doing they're not doing bad this year at all, and they average about one hundred eight points a game. So you know it, they're they're okay. You know the Heat are going to be pests in the playoffs for sure, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Andre Iguodala is definitely a good asset to them though, and they'll uh, they'll they'll do well. You know you'll see them in the playoffs. 
Up next, we're going to talk about the Celtics. Uh, I recently just got back from a Celtics game in Boston. I watched them play the Hawks, which I was very excited to see. Um, I'd never been to a Celtics game. I had been to a Bruins game the month before, but I'd never been to a Celtics game. And I, I was like, I wasn't starstruck, but you know those uh, those moments when you kind of go to like a concert or something and you like see the person and you like realize that they're like, they're real. You know, they're like, you know, a hundred feet away from you and you're just like, oh my God, like you're alive. You know, Jason Tatum is right over there. Kemba Walker is right over there. And that that's what I was kind of like. I was just sitting there. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, this is insane. But the Celtics did pretty well against the Hawks. Jason Tatum dropped 32, you know, just kind of propelling his, uh, his all-star status. He's done really well this season. Kemba Walker, I think had 15 or 16 points. He did well, and the Celtics, they you could just tell with how injured they were. You know, they were missing Jalen Brown that night, and they were missing Gordon Hayward and Daniel Tice, you know, but they were they were clicking on all cylinders. They were doing a really good job, and I just had a lot of fun watching them play the Hawks. We didn't get to see Trey Young. I'm not sure why he didn't play, but he just didn't decide to play, I guess, against Boston. I didn't really look too much into it. Um, the slack was picked up, though, by uh, by Collins and Herter on the, Celt- or on the Hawks. Herter um, actually really surprised me. I actually, before the game, I saw him walking around. Herter's not a very big guy at all, and he's um, he's pretty pale, and he's ginger uh, hair, and I was just kind of sitting there, and I'm like, huh, you know, like, I literally, I said to somebody, I was like, who had a teenager on the court? And I felt bad, because then I ate my words, because Herter en- ended up dropping, like, 25 points, and I realized that this guy's insane. You know, he was he's just got a super slick shot. He can dribble real well. He can pass super well. And I was really impressed, and Collins is the same way. He dropped 30 points, and it was uh, it was a good game. The Celtics ended up winning 102 to uh, 105, but it was uh, it was a really good game. I was very entertained, and I had a great time watching them. But uh, during the trade deadline, Celtics didn't add any players, which I'm not really sure if you need to if you're the Celtics. I mean, maybe you know Ennis Cantor, like other. You don't really need any more backcourt. You need you need big men, you know. And Ennis Cantor, Daniel Tice, you know they they do the job. They uh, Rorier or Poirier, I can, I don't know how to say that guy's name. Um, but he he's a pretty good big man. You know they're they're good offensive minded big men, um, especially Ennis Cantor. You know you get him under the rim on the on offense. He's gonna maybe get you an offensive board, uh, maybe like fifty percent of the time. Get a put back. He's just he's a good offensive minded player, but they don't have a ton of defense down low. Which, you know, they don't have a ton of size. You know, Daniel Tice isn't that big, but um, Ennis Cantor is a big man, and so is Poirier. But, you know, you're not going to really do a whole lot of defending down there. And I think that's the only thing that the Celtics could have maybe done, you know. But then you ended up with uh, five big men, including Williams. So, you know, we'll see. And you got Taco Fall as well, so... You you just you don't want to add another big man because then you just you have too many. But you also you gotta pay. You just paid uh, Jalen Brown. You gotta pay Kem or you paid Kemba. Gordon Hayward has a stupidly big contract that I think if there's one player that they had to get rid of, it'd probably be Gordon Hayward to open up that cap space. But um, you know you're gonna have to pay Jason Tatum. He's just been such a solid player, and he's just done very well for the Celtics this season. And um, yeah, he's an All Star. So you're going to have to do that. And, you know, other than that, I mean, you just really needed a defensive-minded big man. But, I don't know, the Celtics are doing pretty well this year. They're fourth in the East right now. So they're holding steady, and they just they perform well. You know, Marcus Smart's out there, and he's just their veteran point guard, a veteran of the team. You know, Kemba's a veteran in the NBA as well. But, 
Marcus Smart knows the uh, the system of Boston pretty a lot better than uh, Kemba does, and they've just they they're very fluid with together. They 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 gel well. You know, there's not a whole lot of um a whole lot of like controversy or issues in the locker room like there was when Kyrie was there. You know, everybody just kind of does their thing and does it well, and they get the job done. Uh, they even did tonight. Um, as I'm recording this, is they just beat the Thunder 112 to 111. So it's a lot closer than you know you'd want to be. You know, it's kind of a little too much for me, but, you know, they get the job done in the end. So the Celtics, they don't add anybody. And, you know, other than, like I said, other than a defensive-minded big man, I'm not sure if you really need a whole lot. You know, I mean, Gordon Hayward is still a solid player, and he's having a lot better season than he did last year. And I think that just might be the locker room change. But we'll see. I mean, if they want to get rid of the contract, I think uh, some Celtics fans will be relieved. Some will be, you know, angry. But uh, we'll we'll see. You know, all all of these on the trade deadline, it's just a we'll see. You know, because we don't know. You know, you just move things around and hope they work. It's just the NBA. But one thing that we uh, that we did notice that worked was the Rockets going to a to a small ball themed and like a legit small ball. I mean, when they played the Lakers last night or not last night, a couple nights ago with Anthony Davis, they had P.J. Tucker guarding Anthony Davis and PJ Tucker is the same size if not smaller than James Harden their shooting guard so if that doesn't tell you about their uh their new scheme I don't know what does and the Rockets played a hell of a game ended up beating the number one seeded Lakers you know and they the Lakers are no short of big men you know Kyle Kuzma's out there and a lot of Laker fans are actually pretty upset they didn't move him around but um you know you got Anthony Davis who's one of the best big men in the league you got LeBron James who's you know not a small man at all um and the Rockets pulled it off I don't know how they did but they they did um you know they beat him by one point, uh, and they, you know, everybody was saying, you know, how the how the Rockets gonna compete with the Lakers if you know they can't like if they have P.J. Tucker re- uh, playing against Anthony Davis. Well, if you look at the stats, you know, offensive rebounds they tied uh, six rebounds to six rebounds, which is pretty impressive for the size difference. And then defensive rebounds, the Rockets only lost that battle by one rebound. It was thirty-one to thirty-two. So I mean. You know, they get rid of Capella, and they go full small ball, and it worked. You know, it worked the first time they got Covington, and they just, they it, it worked right away. You know, Russ dropped 41 points, and you're not going to get that all the time, but uh, especially from Russell Westbrook, but it, it worked that time. So we'll see. Russell Westbrook dropped uh, 41. Like I said, he was 17 for 28, and he shot 6 for 8 from field goal. So, you know, he's not, he, he does well, and Russell Westbrook, it's weird because some nights he'll drop 41 points, and then some nights he's only dropping maybe 12. And it, you know, he might be sharing the rock. You know, James Harden might be going for forty-one that night, but you can't, you can't always bank on both of them going absolutely insane every night. And you know, the Rockets. This is this is where they need to. Uh, this is where they need to excel if they want to beat uh, some teams and you know win the NBA championship if they if they have a shot at it. Which, I mean, by this point, I think that they've completely gone like all in on this you know this is what they're doing to try and win the NBA championships but uh in that game against the Lakers they shot 16 percent better from three-point range than Los Angeles which is that's how they're gonna win you know they're gonna win from shooting on the outside and letting Russ go slash so we'll we'll see how it works out you know and if you didn't do the math earlier the Rockets were only out rebounded by one the entire night which was pretty impressive um as I mentioned before just with how 
how undersized they are. And I, I don't know if they'll be able to consistently beat teams with, you know, Rudy Gobert, um, AD, Nikola Jokic. You know, that's just the Western Conference, too. You know, say you make the, the NBA Finals and by some way you meet a team like the 76ers where their point guard, Ben Simmons, is the, the size of some of their big men. So I don't know how you would be able to, you know, even game plan how to beat teams like that being so undersized but the, they pulled it off once so if they can pull it off you know more than one time consistently then hey you know whatever <laughs> they got it um and lastly that i'm going to comment on for the trade was uh justice winslow being taken to memphis i thought this was a pretty good move for uh for memphis i think it's good because justice winslow is a young player he's hurt right now and if he can stay healthy i think uh, memphis has a good young roster led by uh ja morant and uh before he was hurt justice winslow is averaging 11.3 points per game 6.3 or 6.6 rebounds and four assists a game so we'll, we'll see how it works i think it really would gel well um for Memphis, just with how young Justice Winslow is, but he also has a little bit more experience over some players than, you know, like John ja Morant. I'm pretty excited to see how this uh, this Memphis rock roster ends up gelling together and working out. All right, that's my thoughts on the NBA trade deadline. I thought it was a pretty solid uh, solid day. You know, I was kind of upset that the uh, the Celtics didn't, you know, go for a player like Drummond or Capella, but Drummond might be a little bit too much money, and, and Capella was signed by the Hawks, so. That other than that, you know, I thought it was a pretty solid day. Like I said, I was disappointed with the Celtics, but, you know, the Rockets really surprised me when I just kind of saw their roster. I was just kind of like, okay, you know, we'll see how it goes. You know, if you don't want to play, if you want to play full small ball, go ahead. But, um, you know, I feel, I do feel bad for players like Tristan Thompson. You know, it's just because he's not going to start over Andre Drummond. He's just not. And if you if you're on such a bad team like that and you're not starting, you know, you really got to kind of figure out what you're going to do. And Andrew Wiggins, you know, I've never been a fan of Wiggins. I think he's been overpaid since he got paid, and he's just, I don't know, I didn't like him very much. Um, you know, he was averaging 28 points per game earlier this season, but I've just never been a big fan of him. And I have been a big fan of D'Angelo Russell, and I just, I hope it works out in Minnesota for, for D'Angelo Russell because I like him, I like Carl Anthony Towns, and I, uh, I think they can make a good run together. And... You know, being honest, all my feelings about uh, Andrew Wiggins aside, he he does. If you look at it, just fit better with the uh, the Warrior system with Steph and Clay. So we'll see when they when Ste- Steph Curry and Clay Thompson come back. It'll be a, a fun system to to watch develop, and hopefully it uh it ends up producing a lot of points and a lot of wins because I I do like to watch good basketball. I may not like Andrew Wiggins, but I do like to watch good basketball. So if we can uh. If they can get that to work out, then so be it. You know, the Warriors have always, are a winning team the past couple of years. You know, Steve Kerr knows how to win with this team. So we'll see how it goes. But we're going to take a little break, and I'll see you guys in a little bit. All right, and we're back. So I hope you guys had a had a nice time listening to that ad. <laughs> um, on this next segment, we're going to be talking about players and just these contracts that are absurdly a large, especially for some players that may not uh, deserve them. So I just want to start out first with Dak Prescott. Okay, so this has been an ongoing thing with the Cowboys, and Dak Prescott is asking for uh, about like thirty-five million dollars. And you know, I just don't personally. I'm a Cowboys fan. I just don't think that he's worth that money. And you know, players nowadays, especially unproven players, players that haven't you know taken their team to the mountain, haven't really won a championship. You know, get super overpaid in my opinion. You know, Le'Veon Bell. In his contract, signed a four four year deal for fifty two million dollars with the Jets. And the guy, I mean, yeah, he won a couple rushing titles, but he didn't win anything. You know, 
And he didn't really, the Jets did nothing this year. The Jets did not do that well. And I just hate when players hold out like that, you know. They they ask for more than they, they really are worth. I mean, Zeke Elliott the same way. You know, I like Zeke, but $90 million for, you know, not taking your team past the divisional round. You know, the Cowboys haven't been to the NFC Championships in a long time. And, you know, I mean, the Cowboys had that, that big three and Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and Des Bryant in their rookie season. And, you know, they've had this high-powered offense, but they haven't been able to go anywhere. So, you know, I mean, I can understand, in a way, paying Ezekiel Elliott. Running backs are very useful in the NFL. And, you know, you really want to have a good one. And Zeke is a very good, you know, overall um offensive player but you know just these players they have like one or two decent seasons and they're like all right I want a hundred mil right now you know it's 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 insane but obviously Dak Prescott's not asking for a hundred mil but he's declining contracts worth like 30 million dollars you know and it's just it's crazy I mean what are you gonna do with that extra money, I'll give it to you. I'll, I would, I would somehow like if I could do this. I'm not 100% sure how these contracts work. I would have it like structured as like an incentive. We'll give you like, I would say give him like 27, you know, or maybe 25, like guaranteed. If you win the the Super Bowl or you get past, you say you get past the divisional round, I'll give you an extra five million dollars on that year, like just on top of that. And then if you win the Super Bowl, that five turns into ten, you know, but you know, I'm not I'm not a GM in any way, shape, or form, but it's just ridiculous how these players can ask for so much money. And I just have a couple players here that, um, that I've been like really throwing around. And um, quite a few of these players are MLB players, and the MLB obviously has no uh, no cap on how much they can offer a player. And so they can, you know, a lot of these are like $300 million, $400 million, but it's, it's crazy. So first player that uh, has been in the news a lot lately, you know, he's uh, one of the MVPs of the the uh, MLB, it's uh, Mookie Betts, and the Red Sox did have a, an offseason this past year, but they also won the World Series the year before that, and the Red Sox were offering Mookie Betts $300 million on, I think, a 10-year deal at one point, which is the same as Manny Machado had, like, the same, uh, same year amount it's the same amount of money and Mookie Betts was like no like and he counteroffered with 420 million dollars for 12 years that is an insane amount of money that's almost the same amount as the Angels uh paid Mike Trout and it, it, the same amount of years and everything it's just it's absolutely insane how much these players want and something that I've really noticed is you know, these players, when you pay them this amount of money or they want this amount of money, they they often underperform. There's very few because that really just th- that blow up when they uh, when they get paid. And, you know, one of the one of the examples of that is Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas got one hundred million dollars on his contract. Uh, just in total and in the beginning of the season I remember seeing um, some footage of camp like of the Saints camp and it was uh, Michael Thomas versus Marshawn Lattimore and Marshawn Lattimore was putting the absolute clamps on uh, Michael Thomas he couldn't do anything couldn't get away from Marshawn Lattimore at all and it just looked like he wasn't worth the money that the Saints may have overpaid him and they're just gonna have to reap the percussions it was and I remember the the caption of the the segment was like, this is your $100 million receiver right here getting clamped by Marshawn Lattimore. And Marshawn Lattimore is not bad at all. But, you know, if you're paying a guy $100 million, you better be getting open. 
Um, and he did. He ended. He eventually, you know, we saw it all of this season. He was the offensive player of the year. He broke receiving records, and he had most receiving yards. Like my man, he was just he went off. Michael Thomas did, and you don't see that when players get paid anymore. And that's what's so frustrating to me is that these guys, you know, like I said earlier in the intro, these guys put their bodies on the line to get those big contracts to get the game. But that's not what sports is now. It's not to like they're there to play and they're there to win until they get paid and then it's oh if we win we win you know and I always think back um I watched a documentary on the 1992 Cowboys I think it was um Michael Irvin was talking about how they had just lost the game and they were like you know getting the shit kicked out of them in every game and one of the players on the Cowboys went and sat next to Michael Thomas and he said hey man you know don't worry you know we'll go pick up our game check on Tuesday you know you don't ever want to hear that from a teammate it's like hey you know like if you're if you're in a professional sport and it's you know you're getting your ass kicked and you really love what you do and you have somebody come up to you and be like, hey, it's fine. You know, we're getting paid. It's like you want that guy out of here. And Michael uh, Michael Irving even said on the on the documentary, he was like, yeah, no, the second that Jimmy Johnson um, signed to be the Cowboys coach because he knew Jimmy, he said the second that it happened, he went to Jimmy and gave him a list and said, this guy doesn't want to play. This guy doesn't want to win. He doesn't want to win. You know, and he sold out his teammates because he wanted to win. And he wanted to win often. and He wanted to be the best. And and not just collect his paycheck, you know, he worked so hard for something. And I, that's what I think is um, important to me is, you know, I'm obviously on the other end of the spectrum, but because I'm not a pro athlete, but, you know, you, you work so hard to do all this. You work so hard to become a professional athlete and you get paid and then you just kind of, you know, you don't you don't see the fire that that player had before. And I'm really worried for somebody like Derrick Henry, who just came out into the news saying that, uh, he wanted uh, Ezekiel Elliott money because Zeke is the highest paid running back in the NFL. And I think NFL history, I'd have to fact check that. But um, Derrick Henry said he wants like Ezekiel Elliott money, which is, you know, understandable. He won the rushing title. He, you know, carried the Titans to the AFC championship. But let's hold on. OK, if we're paying Derrick Henry after one season of winning, you know, the rushing title, Zeke won the rushing title twice in his you know, I think it's just, we're going into his fifth year now, um, this next season. But, you know, you win it twice and then you get paid. You know, you become such a you're, – you're in the top five every year of your career and then you get paid. You know, Derrick Henry kind of had a slow start to his career. Zeke was like, bang, you know, I'm on the scene. I win the rushing title my my rookie season. I almost break up Eric Dickerson's record. And, you know, I, I hate to kind of talk up the Ezekiel Elliott because, because I'm a Cowboys fan. I don't want to sound like a homer, but he got a lot of flack this season as well because, you know, he got he got his money. He got paid his $90 million, um, in total, but he didn't win the whole rushing title, but he was still in the top five in rushing. Or he might have finished in sixth um, at the end, but he was still in the top five to ten in rushing, and he was a big part of their offense. You know, it's not like he completely fell off the face of the earth. You know, and the whole team did like, uh, like say Le'Veon Bell. Like Le'Veon was just like I'd watch some of the Jets game, and he was just like it, I didn't know where he was. I was thinking to myself, I was like, where is Le'Veon right now? You know, like this guy is. They just paid a bunch of money to get him, and I don't see him being as big of a factor as you know he was on the Steelers. Steelers are a completely different team when he was on there, but you know you they still paid you to be that game changer, and if you're not cha- being that game changer, you're just it's you're just taking advantage, and some people are like that. 
you know, and they, they all have their good reasons of wanting to get paid and, you know, do all this because they, they do work hard and they all have these, they have good reasons. But I just, I feel personally that, you know, you're here to, sports is entertainment, you know, you're here to entertain, you're here to win, you're here to compete. And if you're just doing it for the money and then, you know, not really, you know, uh, being as entertaining or, you know, competing as hard as you were, I mean, what's the point? Like, why are you even there? You know, I mean, if you got the athletic ability, like I get it, you know, I get it, but it's, it becomes frustrating for, uh, for the, for the viewers. And I also saw somebody on Facebook saying, um, after Derrick Henry come out saying he wanted to see Gil Elliott money, he said that he's getting tired of the narrative where, you know, the, the best running back in the league becomes the highest paid running back ever, you know, and I, I can understand that too, you know, like one year it, it went from Todd Gurley to Zeke to maybe now Derrick Henry. I mean, Derrick Henry, is, he's a very good running back. I would say he's probably the best in the NFL, or if if not like a close second or third. You know, the guy is just insane, but the, that's that's the NFL kind of side of it. And, you know, like I said with Mookie Betts, you know, these guys just ask for insane amounts of money. Um, but you don't really see a ton of people once they get their money to produce like um, like Michael Thomas did. And I really like it because it kind of shows that if you get your money and you still produce, not only are you worth it, but you also kind of you, you want to win. And I feel like just sports nowadays isn't about winning. It's about getting paid. And, you know, if you're in it for that and if you got the ability, I mean, go for it because that's what you want to do. But it's just crazy. And I got I got a list of a couple baseball players on here and even another uh, cowboy player, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, who um, I, I just go to the Cowboys because it's it's easier for me to put it out there because, you know, they're my team. I keep up with them a lot more than any other team. But Demarcus Lawrence got paid in a five-year deal for, <clears throat> sorry, for a hundred and five million dollars over that, and with a twenty-five thousand dollars signing bonus. That's a lot of money. Okay, you get paid that, you better have a star-studded season, and he didn't. He really didn't. He was quiet all year. He had five sacks all season, which is absolutely awful for a player that's you know uh, of his caliber and is get being paid like that. You know, if you're gonna get paid like that, and you know you're gonna be considered one of the top defensive players in the, in the league, you gotta have more than five sacks. You gotta you gotta do way better than that. He had 30 solo tackles. He, which is weird because you know watching the games, he uh, it almost seemed like he wasn't getting in the backfield as much, but he was doing a lot better on uh, on chase down blocks. Like if a run got past the D line, you know he was one of the first guys to be down there to make the tackle. But, you know, and he had uh, two forced fumbles all season. And it's just, it was a very underwhelming year for Demarcus Lawrence. You know, his uh, his career amount of sacks um, is 39. And, you know, personally, if I were Demarcus Lawrence, I would have wanted to see myself go from, like, 34 to maybe, like, 46 or maybe even, maybe even 50. You know, like, you want to still be working that hard to get those kind of numbers. Because, you know, 16 sacks in a season is... a significant amount of sacks you know that's only I think like six away from the all-time record but you you just got paid you know these teams have invested in you and they invest in you they expect you to perform and do your job well and he just didn't Demarcus Lawrence just didn't and he even said himself like when um when the Cowboys were calling for a playoff spot against the Eagles he was just like you know it's time for me to step up and he just he just didn't and it's really too bad um, I got a couple other players here. I kind I kind of see these guys as a peanut gallery. Um, one less than the other because I think one of the teams is definitely on the rise in a way. 
Um, but I got Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Manny Machado. Okay, and Mike Trout, I want to. I don't want to say he's as much of a, of a peanut gallery player as Manny Machado and Bryce Harper because um, Bryce Harper has become the biggest meme in baseball, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, Mike Trout is just—he's a fantastic player. You know his stats. He's uh, he got 137 hits this season. Uh, he had. 104 RBIs and 45 home runs. He was the uh, American League MVP, and his team finished fourth in the West, which is which isn't great. But you know, it, you see individually that you know being the American League MVP that he's still of value. But his contract is absolutely insane. You know, he signed for 12 years for 426 million dollars or 426 million five hundred thousand dollars. Had to tack on that five hundred thousand because you know you need that. <laughs> like it's just it's a ludicrous ludicrous contract. Uh, it's for 12 years, so, you know, it's about $30 million a year, which is still a ton of money. You know, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, Mike Trout is still, he's he's a great player, but I just, I think with all that money going towards him, I just don't know. I don't know what you're going to, what you're going to do. The Angels are in a tough spot. They're, they're in a weird spot, too. They, uh, like I said, they finished fourth in the West, so just not that fantastic. Um, and we're going to go on to Manny Machado and the Padres. Manny Machado's contract is 10 years for $300 million, which is the same amount the Red Sox offered uh, Mookie Betts. And the the Padres, they finished fifth in the NL, the National League West, which is not very good. It's the very bottom of their division. But Manny Machado, he had 150 hits this season for 32 home runs and uh, 85 RBIs. I don't know, Manny Machado. He's always been he's always been kind of a dirty player. He's always been a uh, he's been a good player. He's just been a dirty player. He's been you know a chatty player. I remember seeing one video where he was talking about how he offered like a player. He said like you know if we don't make this comeback or something or if we, you know we lose this game, I'll offer I'll like I'll give you my contract just to a random fan. But I I don't know I it's just it's I know baseball has no cap but it's just these numbers are absolutely ludicrous and I think the worst one of these three guys it's got to be Bryce Harper in the Phillies I mean you you're such a you're 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 such a star in Washington with the Nationals okay and then you know you go to the the other team in their division or one of the other teams in their division in the Phillies okay. And you finished fourth in the National League West, okay, or the National League East, sorry. And you sign a contract for 13 years with $330 million, and you get a $20 million signing bonus, okay? And you get 149 hits, uh, 114 RBIs, and 35 home runs. You know, it's a decent, decent stat line. It's a hell of a contract. But you know what the worst part is? Is when the, your old team wins the World Series the next year. You know, that's when you can't, you look stupid. Yeah, you, you're asking for all this money, you get all this money, and your team wins the World Series, or your old team wins the World Series. You look dumb. You know, you look selfish. You look like, you know, oh, I want all of this for me, you know? And I just think it's it's really funny because Bryce Harper, like I said, just wanted all this stuff, and he got it from a different team in the same division, but his, his old team ended up winning the World Series. And I think it's a real real good way for uh for karma to really bite him in the ass but i don't know maybe maybe he'll end up performing more and uh the phillies will find themselves in the uh the playoffs but it was it's i just find it really funny and i just want to touch on mookie bets one more time uh with the dodgers uh just yesterday the twins pulled out of that trade but the red Sox and the dodgers were somehow able to work it out i i try and follow the details with these uh these mlb 
contract or these MLB trades and even some of the NBA trades, you know, once it gets to like five teams for the NBA, it's just like, okay, so who got who, you know, it's, it's crazy to keep up with, but, um, the Dodgers and the Red Sox were able to work it out, uh, where to the Red Sox gave up David Price and Manny Machado, uh, or not Manny Machado, Mookie Betts rather, um, to the Dodgers for uh, three ta- three players. Two of them were named. One of them were unnamed. And uh, the Red Sox also gave the Dodgers some money to help pay off David Price's contract. Because I think with David Price's contract, the Red Sox will still be play- paying like uh, $16 million a year for the next like four years, I think. Um but you know it's it'll it'll be it'll be fun it'll I, I really hope the Dodgers are good next season just because you know you have two MVPs in your in your outfield and you have Clayton Kershaw who you know it, we'll see what happens with him Clayton Kershaw is just a it, it he's also a very odd situation there's a lot of weird things going on in sports right now but you got Clayton Kershaw you got David Price you got Mookie Betts yeah it's just you you get you should be able to pull something off, but if they don't, I mean, like I said, when you, I just feel like when you overpay players, and you know, some teams might not see it as overpaying. You know, the Dodgers might not see it that way. It's a big market in L.A., so if they don't see it that way, more power to them. But it's 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 a lot of money, man. And I just I think historically, um, people who get paid or maybe even overpaid end up not performing as well and that's just the big point that I'm trying to get across to you guys and and just really emphasize you know that you know you don't need those super super great players and super overpaid players to uh to win a championship the Nationals are a great example you know they just had a bunch of guys who just did their job and they ended up winning the World Series so you don't you just don't need those those big names all the time I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to episode 5 of the Boom Team podcast, talking about the uh, NBA trade deadline and just the the topic of just players possibly getting overpaid for, uh, not for what they're worth, because they a lot of these players uh, that I just talked about put up insane numbers to get the contracts that they get, but then they don't end up, you know, fulfilling their contracts and, you know, staying the same great player that they were. And it's just, it can be really, uh, really sad to see sometimes because these guys turn into the most entertaining people in the world and then, you know, just become the most non-entertaining people in the world. But, you know, this episode's a little rambly. It's um, very opinionated sometimes, especially talking about this second topic. And, you know, like I said earlier, with these trade deadlines and all these contract signing, it's, it's all up in the air. It's, you know, okay, we'll see. You know, the, these guys sign with new teams. They get traded to new teams. We'll see what happens. You know, is Andre Iguodala going to help the Heat get to the NBA Finals? I don't know. But I'll tell you next, or I'll tell you when the Finals are over or whenever the Heat get eliminated or if they move on, you know. I, uh, I just would also just like to thank you guys again for tuning in. I've had a great time doing this. I'm sorry I didn't put out an episode yesterday. I was traveling all day, coming back from the Celtics game. And I was just super dead. I was super dead tired. But um, thank you guys again, and I'll see you guys on the flip side.